Uh, I have a Java exam next weekend. Ooh. Oh, also, I just okay. noticed that my wall clock has fallen off the wall. <laughs> so, uh, right. that's a bit disorienting because it's like when I glance over to see the time or I expect to see the time and I just see a blank spot on the wall. That's kind of annoying. Huh. Uh, anyway, that's... I think I'm a bit discombobulated because, uh, as you know, I just woke up. Yes. And I am... I've been awake since like 7, no, 6.30, so... Uh. Okay. And uh, I have... It's been a bit of a wild week. Um, because... <laughs> At work, yes. Uh, I mean, it's it's the it's the ramping up of all the things at once. Work, yeah, is ramping up, <clears throat> and then the semester is ramping down, which is by which you mean it's ramping up as well. Yeah, <clears throat> it's going out in a <clears throat> in a blaze of fire, basically. <laughs> um, and I actually I have not much bandwidth for. <laughs> Or, um, I mean, like, if you ask me to, to talk about something right now, I'm just like, hmm? Uh, I mean, do you want to hear about <laughs> what, like, what do you want to hear about? Do you want to hear about work? I mean, I have literally do been, wanna... <laughs> I don't know. I mean, this week has been just bad. I, I don't know what happened, but for some reason, my sleep cycle just went all haywire. I couldn't wake up for class at 5pm in the morning. I wasn't sleeping. I have not been sleeping well. So it's one of those, I don't know what's going on general stress or general you know anxiety over work i don't know it's just been it's it's just been a week uh, yeah, several I mean, weeks to... tell me about not sleeping well yeah so i mean it's i i don't actually have much to say because this whole week has just been occupied with marking and trying to finish an assignment before the due date <laughs> yeah it is the yeah. last week of april so you know the I have an assi- I have like a big presentation on on the thirtieth of April. I have an assignment uh-huh. due today or tomorrow. I mean American time today, but you know right. tomorrow for me. And then the only upside I have I'm looking forward to is that tomorrow morning, mm-hmm. I'm going to be spending the whole day out on the open sea looking for birds. Okay. Yes, because <laughs> uh, this is something we can talk about. So right now we are in the middle of uh, two migration seasons. One is the mm-hmm. landbird migration season, which is where all these birds go from the southern hemisphere to the northern hemisphere to breed. All right. Right. So this is happening now. Uh, I think the main wave has more or less passed, but you will see stragglers hanging on till about June, even sometimes as late as July. Okay. Um, but what's happening in parallel is the seabird migration as well, um, which right. happens in... A few different ways. You do have some birds uh, going from the southern hemisphere back to the northern hemisphere. So these are things like um, uh, terns and uh, shorebirds. Okay. Right. These breed in places like Alaska, Far Eastern Russia, um, and so they are heading back to their breeding grounds. But you also have this very weird. Um, these are the uh, these birds called the, the true seabirds. So things like shearwaters and storm petrels uh, that are. Mm-hmm. I don't. I think they're returning to their breeding grounds as well. So, um, the Swinhoe Storm Petrel is a very unremarkable looking bird. It's okay. it's mostly grey and black. Um, it breeds in south of South Korea and Japan. 
right, right. on these small islands, uh, and they spend most of their non-breeding lives over water. These are storm petrels right. are, are are that group of birds that you know. Sim- I mean, similar to albatrosses, related to albatrosses that spend majority of their lives on water. Right. Right. And um, right now, if I'm not mistaken, they are heading back to their breeding grounds in South Korea mm-hmm. from the Indian Ocean. Okay. Which means there's only one, it's really only one place they can cross to get from right. one ocean right. to the other. Right. And that's Singapore. Okay. So we estimate that the entire world population of Swinhole Storm Petrols uh-huh. passes through the Singapore Straits every October right. and May. Right. Which is quite remarkable. Right. Okay. So if you in the past of obviously, you know, with, with without COVID restrictions, we would go a little bit further out into international waters beyond the mm-hmm. Singapore water boundary. Um and you know, just between Singapore and Batam you see these small black blobs floating in the water and these are storm petrels and as you get close they right. fly off. Right. And okay. but because of COVID restrictions right now we can't go beyond Singapore waters, so we're gonna have be have a more restricted itinerary. We're just gonna stay within the the, the water boundary, but hopefully we'll still be able to see these birds uh, just floating and flying around. So, I'm curious, when when you say you go out on a boat, where do yes. you leave from and what kind of Sentosa. Boat? Small ah. uh, fishing boat. Yes. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I don't know why Sentosa, but I think that's probably uh, the marina where the boat we usually use is parked. It's probably just depending right. on where the, the boat owner likes to park his vessel. It's probably cheaper than, in, say, Raffles Marina. Right, or, right. Uh, wherever yeah okay. so, so I mean getting to Sentosa at bloody early in the morning is a nightmare but mm-hmm. you know yeah of course <laughs> I mean getting to Sentosa in general is a nightmare but uh, it really is hours is especially difficult you have to taxi in uh, yeah yeah. Then, you know, and yeah. you have to bring all your food with you because obviously you're going to be on the water the whole day right uh, well I think yeah this maybe for tomorrow we won't be there the whole day because you know we're not going to go all the way out to um uh, uh, the, the eastern waters, right? Mm-hmm. Usually, when we do uh, itinerary like this, we'll sail from Sentosa eastwards, right. uh, as close as we can to the South China Sea, and then turn back. I think I'm one trip even to... went close to Pedra Branca. Right. Okay. That's yeah, quite far. Which is in the northeast. Yeah, that's quite far out. Yeah. yeah, and it's it's a small craft, so it can't you know can't really take big open water with huge crashing waves. Um, right. It, I mean, the scariest, the scariest uh, 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 pelagic trip I've ever taken was uh, Vancouver, uh, off Vancouver Island in Tofino, okay. uh, which is famous for its whale watching trips, right? right? And of course, bird watchers, not being as interested in mammals, will take these whale watching trips, but then look for birds. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Because that's what we are. So, so what, what, what I did, uh, I went with a few friends because this, there was a big bird conference, so obviously a whole bunch of bird people were there. So we went oh to God, uh, okay. Tofino, which yeah, uh, Tofino, which is on the western coast of Vancouver Island. So Vancouver right. is on mainland you know, United States. Vancouver mm-hmm. Island is this huge island that's just off uh, the Pacific Northwest. Yeah, and Tofino is on the western coast of Vancouver Island. Okay, um, and it faces the Pacific Ocean. Right, so um, the, the the coastline of Vancouver Island is quite sheltered. There's all these small, you know, rocky islets uh, okay. that shelter the shore, shelter the, the the shore from you know the the powerful Pacific Ocean. So what we did was we we you know we were hoping for a full on pelagic going out into the Pacific, looking for things like albatrosses and skewers. Skewers are, um, I think another word for them are Jaegers. Uh, they are okay. very cool birds. 
because they are uh, they're thieves, they're kleptoparasites. So they they don't hunt for their own food. They specialize in stealing food, uh, fish in particular from other birds. Um, you okay. know, yeah, that's it's really cool. So there's a whole bunch of uh, the the law of the sea uh, uh, when it comes to birds is really unusual. There's a whole group of birds called kleptoparasites. These oh include things God. like okay. um, skewers <laughs> and uh, frigate birds. I think there's if there's one of the David Attenborough documentaries, a spectacular footage of this of a frigate bird chasing down a either a kittiwake or a or a booby, I think, and then forcing it to regurgitate its food so it could steal the fish that it just swallowed. Right. It is remarkable. So these so we were hoping to get, you know, these really large ocean birds. But on the day of the trip, right, at Tofino, the, the, the boat captain said, Hey, you know, um we're looking at the weather forecast and it looks like strong winds. Uh-huh. So we can't go out into the open ocean. Okay. Right, because we were in this tiny Boston whaler craft, it is mm-hmm. you know just think of it as an upgraded um, inflatable dinghy. Um, all right. <laughs> it's a it's it's a dinghy with a with with a solid hull. Okay. Yeah, it's it's not very big, <laughs> right? right. Um, and so we we spent like the first half of the trip, you know, wandering in and out the the sheltered part of the shore. Right, the shelter mm-hmm. part of the waters, which is which is quite substantial, you know, you get really cool things like all these guillemots and uh, uh, marillettes. These are they look like puffins, but they're not. They're the, they're the, no, they look like penguins, but they're the they're the penguins of the north, and they're not related to penguins at all. They they're related to puffins. Okay. Right? All right. They look okay, like puffins. Okay. They're related. Yeah, relatives of puffins. Um, and then the boat captain was like, "Okay, you want to try going out to the ocean?" <laughs> and we're like. Yeah, let's do it. So, right. um, and immediately, the moment you cross that sort of, you know, arbitrary safety barrier that the rocks mm-hmm. afford, mm-hmm. holy shit, the sea changes. Mm-hmm. It's like you go from, you know, sort of small, maybe 30 cm, half meter waves to like right. two, three meter waves. Right. And it's it's just, holy shit. <laughs> you know, you're like... yeah. Okay, after about I think I think after about twenty minutes, we're like, okay, maybe we should turn back because this is feeling really dangerous. Yep, I mean, um, I have never really been on like really really open open ocean, right? Okay. Uh, I mean, you know, besides you know taking like a ferry to Bintan that kind of thing. That's not open um, ocean. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So the thing is, um, have you ever gone kayaking? No, I have okay. never got kayaking. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, obviously, a kayak is a tiny craft, right? Yes. Uh, it, by craft standards, I think it's one of the tiniest. Yeah. I mean, I'm not sure how you get smaller than a, than, a, than a kayak. <laughs> and it's like you know, usually if you if you go kayaking, you don't really venture that far from the shore, right? Yep. But I think if you're talking about like the relative, you know, um, the craft you're in against the how far out um, you are you you want to go right you can yep. kind of have a very small glimpse of what it must be like to say be on a ship and be in the middle of the ocean and yep. not have it's just you know water in all directions right and the idea yes. of you know like why sailors get so excited? You know, if you if if you're talking about like, like, Renaissance era sailing, right? Like why sailors get so excited when they see land on the other side of the ocean? 
Yes. <laughs> right? Because... Yes. Yeah. Because... Especially at night. Being on the mm. water at night is horrifying because it's just all black around you. Yeah. And I mean, you... <laughs> it's, it's really... Um, it's a really... I, I mean, this is literally just me like kayaking off, you know, the... Plowbin. Off like... Uh, <laughs> I was... I, this... This this thought occurred to me um, in um, Bintan, actually. Okay, okay, right. Right, because, you know, I um, rented a kayak, went out, and yep. I mean, you're just like paddling up and down along parallel to the shore, right? But the thing about yep. paralleling, uh, paralleling this, is, this is my level of awakeness right now. The thing about paddling parallel to the shore, obviously, is now yep. you're presenting the long side of the boat to the waves, Yes, correct. Right? Yeah. And um, so this is something that I remember from like doing like Outward Bound, right? Um, yep. it's, it's that if you are being rocked by a wave, right, you want to turn into it. Yes, right? correct. Which is yep. one of those very uh, unintuitive things if you've never been in a boat or like thought seriously about it, which is if you cannot handle the wave, you want to be in the direction you want to face it head on because that's where firstly you present the smallest area to the wave yep yep, um, yep. but also you have most control right if you if the wave is behind you you cannot you cannot adjust to it so we right. see this a lot if you i mean again my bird watching experience uh-huh. you see this a lot uh, on the transit from singapore to plaubin right because there are some enormous ass vessels plying that uh, street of Johor. Right, right, yeah. Right. So I think last uh, uh, two weeks ago, I was on Pulau Bin, mm-hmm. um, and there was a huge evergreen tanker. Uh, evergreen, obviously, being <laughs> recently very much in the, the news. news. Yes. Um, and there's this enormous evergreen tanker. I don't know where it was coming from. Is it mm-hmm. PTP? But Tanjung Palapas is facing the other side of the causeway, so I don't know where on why on earth it was finding itself in the eastern side of the Johor Straits. Another is there lost a... boat. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I don't know, but yeah, I'm not sure why it was there. Maybe it's is there a there isn't a Singapore port on there anyway. So <laughs> there was a, a evergreen vessel. Uh, let me look up the the the, the, the name of this one because I took a photo of it. Um, All right, it is the ever the ever the ever the ever. Hang on, uh, the, 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 it was the ever being. <laughs> what? Yes, the what ever being. All right. I know. I guess they're running out of, of, of words. I guess. Um. So it was the ever being, and obviously it's 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 a very large boat. You know, it's at least ten times larger than the bum boat that we're in. So you know, it it created a rather substantial wake, and so yeah, the the you know the bum boat drivers obviously they, they are old hands at this. So they drive straight into the wake. Right. Right. Yeah. Headlong to the wake to to yeah to prevent the boat from rocking sideways, and you just you know you get up down motion. Uh, yep. uh, uh, posterior to anterior, right? Yes. Rather than laterally. Yes. So that that yeah yeah basic posterior stuff. Posterior to anterior rather than lateral. That's how what the. <laughs> I feel like those are terms that. Um, An organismal biologist will use, and yes. not a not a, a, a seafarer will use. <laughs> yeah. Bow to people, stern. Most most people just say front to back instead of side to side. Yeah, or bow to stern rather than starboard to port, right? Or, you know, or something. That, that's yeah. A, yeah. Yeah. No, <laughs> I think it's like when you are 
in that position, right? And you are looking out onto basically just horizon and there is no yep. land in sight, right? Then you yep. kind of have a very vague idea of what it must be like to be someone who lives and works on a boat. Yes. Because, yeah, you just... I'm like, okay, you're really, really, really on your own now. Yeah. 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 Um, yep. And, you know, I mean, imagine if you're then stuck with a bunch of dying animals, <laughs> which I think we talked about <sighs> several episodes ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, so, uh, yeah, I, actually, I mean, now that you mention it, how often is it that, you know, regular people get to go onto the open ocean? How, what opportunities are there actually to go onto the open ocean? I, I don't know. I think here's something else that, I mean, growing up in Singapore, you kind of take for granted, right? Which is mm. the presence of a port and a maritime industry. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. also um, the, the I mean, the, y- it's kind of corny, right? You have the, like the freaking Malayan and it's like, oh, the Malayan mm. is a symbol of Singapore because it's a reminder of uh, our links to the sea. And I mean, as far as Singapore is concerned, right? It's, it's like breathing, <laughs> Um, yeah, you're just yeah. like yeah. Of course, there is a port. Of course, there is. A and then you you know you you of move to New Mexico, which is a landlocked state, and then you realize that, oh shit, I, <laughs> I haven't so, seen the sea in years. So this is something that that was very, um, it stuck out to me because, I okay here's another thing which is like most major cities are near mm. the water, right? And I think this is not a mystery. <laughs> right. No. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's, you learn this in sec one geography. So. Yeah. Exactly. So, if you have grown up, you know, near a major port, and I mean, so many cities have histories as port cities, right? New York, yeah. London, Hamburg, Cologne, uh, San Francisco, else? San Francisco. Yeah. Exactly. Um, Beijing. Yeah. Shanghai. Shanghai specifically. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you don't really. Th- think about it but okay when um when i went to madrid for study abroad right my roommate in madrid was um an american from vermont oh yeah and nyu organized these like cultural activities right so they were like Mm. um you know choose one cooking flamenco or wine Right. right, and we all, you know, take you to a class, and like there were many, many American undergrads who chose the wine one because when else <laughs> they, are they yeah, gonna get you, a drink? Yeah, exactly. Um, and obviously, oh, I was Americans. not gonna go to a flamenco. I was not gonna go to a flamenco um, class. Do you know? Class. Sorry, on just a, a weird tangent, uh, the risk of going way off course. Uh, New Mexico is famous for its flamenco. Apparently, okay. it's like one of the big innovators in, in flamenco dancing. All right. I, I don't, did not yeah. know that. Uh-huh. And <laughs> we will immediately return. Yes, because I, I know that, the that's the limit of my knowledge. Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, uh, we went for the cooking one. And it's the idea of, you know, they teach you how to do um, typical Spanish cooking, right? Like right. Um, tortilla española, paella, that kind of thing. Yep. So when we were doing, I think the paella portion, um, the the instructor just you know was like, 
pick somebody from the group and it's like, okay, you you come and do this portion. And um, that's when I discovered that my roommate did not know how to shell a prawn. Oh. And I mean, afterwards I was like, if you never eaten, like, have you seriously never shelled a prawn? And she said, shit. She's like, I'm from Vermont. I was like, yeah, but don't they have prawns in Vermont? And she said, the prawns in Vermont, I don't think you want to eat them. <laughs> I was like, what? The only body of water, substantial body of water they have is Lake Champlain. Which, um, yeah. I mean, <laughs> wow, I'm looking at the map now. Yeah. So I was like, holy mm-hmm. shit. That's a that's fair. She's like, you know, in well, Berlin, freshwater ponds are, aren't that bad. But I think her point was that you know, if you are <laughs> if you are in Burlington and you buy prawns from the supermarket, right? They've yeah. taken a trip to get there, <laughs> 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 right? And that's why it's not really staple food. You know, it's not very yeah. good. It's expensive. Yes, I um, well, I that that wasn't the direction I was thinking the story would go because you know I was more yeah. thinking of the along the lines of you know say the ins- okay to be fair this is more Italian this instructor okay. would say season your pasta water until it tastes like the sea then I have uh, never no, no, no. tasted the sea water before. No, that's not really a yeah no that's not really a thing. <laughs> a Spanish um, thing, right? Okay. Yeah, <laughs> but I I think yeah that that kind of stuck out because um I think. If you grow up in a port city, you just assume that <laughs> seafood is easy to come by. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Right. You no, um, you also take for granted the fact that you get to see the sea, right? Yes, I mean I very much in, so, in yes. New Mexico, obviously it's it's I, Albuquerque is not a port town. Albuquerque is a town that's built on the uh the route uh what's what's it called again? Route sixty six. Right. Right. So it's a it's it's a it's a town that's built on a trade route. Right. Uh, but we still have access to water because Albuquerque is built along the Rio Grande. Right. Which is, you know, one of the important arteries that leads out into the Gulf of Mexico. Right. Um, right. So, so that literally, you know, for the last year was the only water I had, I had access to in terms of, you know, seeing an open body of water. In right. fact, I think for almost the whole year, I did not see the sea except for when I visited New Orleans, and right. even then, I didn't visit, see the sea per se because I was in. I didn't venture out of New Orleans, so I was only seeing Lake Pontchartrain and uh, the Mississippi River. So right. yeah, I went a whole year without seeing the sea, which you know, for someone who grew up in Singapore, is remarkable. I mean, it's not really. Um you don't really appreciate how much, again, the sea, <laughs> right? The presence of it and yeah. the kind of um, very silent undercurrent of an influence that it, that, ha, 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 that it forms um, until yeah. we've been away from it. But I think this is the same of any place, right? With particular, yeah. I mean... In, in in a sense, geography influences culture. Like this is not yes. new in the slightest. No. Right. No. The fact is, um it, okay. Again, for me, right, my dad when I mean when I was a kid, my dad, you know, went on business trips to like Stuttgart, right? Mm. And 
um, he came back with like souvenirs, right? From yeah. Baden-Württemberg, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and specifically from, um, from like the Black Forest region, which is yeah. actually not that close to Stuttgart, right? If you are in Stuttgart and you want to go to the Black Forest, it's still like, I think, an hour plus drive. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, but because of that, like there, there are there is like a, a small portion of my childhood that I associate with like, you know, like cuckoo clocks and wooden toys and things like that. Yes, we we had a cuckoo clock for a while that my dad, um, bought in Germany, uh, and then he very delicately packaged it and brought it back to Singapore. I mean, but good God, yeah, those yeah. things are intricate. Yeah, so we we use it for a while, but then, um. We stopped using it because if you open the window, it affects the <laughs> pendulum motion. Oh, it does. Oh, shit. Yeah. Okay. And so he was like, well, between keeping the balcony door closed at all times and, yep. <laughs> and this... Yeah, a functional yes. cuckoo clock. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I, I guess for me at least, right, the Black Forest just kind of existed in the imagination yes as this and I think the other thing is like the influence of you know German fairy tales of like Hansel and Gretel going into the forest kind of (laughs) that kind of story right um but then when my sister went to Freiburg and we um you know when I was spent time there the fact that of how close the Black Forest actually is to the city of Freiburg is mind-bending. Right. To, to right. me, at least, is it's like crazy because y- y- like you associate the forest, right? And especially like, like the German forests and the Black Forest, you think of it like fairy tales. You know? Yes. It's distant the and Grimm. mystical. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And... Um, and also, I think you, there is, for me at least, there is association with like faraway lands, right? Like dad goes off on a business trip and comes back with like yeah. wooden toys. Um, yes. <laughs> yeah. And the city of Freiburg is on the edge of the Black Forest. I think of, I, I by German standards, it's a major city. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's so I yeah. can I mean I'm looking at the map now I can see how extensive this black forest stretch is. Yep. Holy cow. But of all the cities that surround the black forest, right? I think Freiburg is the closest just in yes. sheer proximity. Yep. And it is so close and so well integrated into the life of the city. Yeah. That from the city center, there's an overhead bridge hmm. that brings you right into the Black Forest. Right. And this, to me, is... Okay, and of course, what it actually is, um, is the overhead bridge delivers... Because the Black Forest is a mountain forest, right? So it's yes. it's a mountain and then the forest on top of it. So yep. the overhead bridge brings you to kind of like the base, so to speak. Um, okay where there is a beer garden. Surprise. (laughs) Right. And then you can continue walking uh, into the forest from there. Yeah. And, you know, there are hiking trails and everything. And 
because it's just there and it's literally, I mean, it's integrated into the urban landscape. You yeah. can walk from the city centre onto a pedestrian bridge past a beer <laughs> garden on the side of the Black Forest, right? And then just walk inside. Amazing. Um, yeah. And because of that, right, this this accessibility, um, it's, for me at least, it's really weird. People walk their dogs in the Black Forest. Right, yeah. <laughs> right. Grandmas, they go for their daily constitutional in the Black Forest. Like, I'll be like, all kitted out in hiking gear and I'm walking, right? And then like, you know, in front of me, there are like two grandmas and I say grandmas, I just mean like, old lady and an old man, right? Right. In normal street clothes um, with like, you know, a vinyl handbag or whatever, just walking in the Black Forest. So um, I'm looking at the list of animals that can still be found in the Black Forest and it's quite substantial. Uh, okay. well, badger. Are there still bears that live there? I don't know. Um, I'm sure there must be. Um, I'm sure the Black... I, I don't Eurasian know brown bears? bears? No. Yeah, no. I don't know about bears. But I think here's the other thing, um, which is the an area like the Black Forest, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's uh it's I don't know what the term for this is, but um like there are settlements throughout the Black Forest. Right. So like inside the Black Forest itself, right? There are you know, there are like small homesteads. There are yep, yep. So maybe not bear. I think no. I think bears yeah. have been extirpated from the area. Um, yeah. but you still get things like badgers and elk. Yep. Uh, wow, shit. I mean, yeah, it's a shame that the bears have gone extinct. But yeah, uh, well, fallow deer, wild boar, alpine chamois. Oh, not right. bad. Great horn owl. So- Lynx. Okay. <laughs> Probably the largest carnivore there, uh, Eurasian lynx. Yeah. And I think um, there is a... I I don't know, because when (gasps) when I was hiking in the US, right? Wait, you are shitting me. Capercaillie is found in Black... black, Oh, damn it. I really should have gone to visit the Black Forest. Because the closest I've been to the Black Forest was in Constance. Constance, Right? Which, you know, is... I mean, it's still a a bit of a ways away, but I could have gone west and then hit the eastern edge of, of the Black Forest at some yep. point. Damn. Okay. Anyway. I, I don't know what that is. A Kapakeli? Big aggressive chicken. Um, <laughs> famous for having attacked uh, Sir David Attenborough. Okay. Um, uh, 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 right. A Kapakeli is a grouse. Uh, okay. Grouses or grice. <laughs> Grease. Mm, uh, grouses Grease. are very okay. large uh, birds. Game birds, basically, that people hunt. Right, um, right, right. They're normally quite stupid. They're, they're really not intelligent. People still uh, hunt in the I mean, Black Forest. Like you people occasionally do hunt in the hear, forest. yeah, you occasionally gunshots. hear a gunshot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so grouse are you know big, uh, chickenish birds. You know okay. live on the ground, um, okay. and mostly very. Un- I mean, famous for being deeply unintelligent. <laughs> mm, <laughs> they will walk okay. towards hunters. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's how right. dumb they are. Um, all right, all right, <laughs> and. Um, Capercaillies are, I think, one of the largest representatives. So things like ptarmigan is a grouse as well. Oh, right. Um, yeah. uh, Capercaillies are fairly large representatives of this family. Uh, and during the breeding season, the males become 
hyper aggressive, very territorial. Put that in the show notes. I will find that clip of Sir David Attenborough being attacked by a by a grouse uh, okay, by a capacity. Great. Yeah. Uh, yes. So so um yeah, if and you know they they are very common in the much more northern latitudes. So places like Sweden apparently very right. common, and there are tons of clips of these um, uh, skiers or just people walking in the mountains getting charged at by these right. Kapakalis. Right. You know, because they they they're really trying to defend their their territory. And so yeah, so back back to the Black Forest. Right. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> I was I was gonna say right. I mean, in the U.S., um, I went hiking in the national yeah. parks, right? And the the U.S. national park is very much a. It's it's. It's designed to be. As close to, um. Okay, I don't know if if I would say this. I, I was gonna say like it's designed to be as close to nature as possible, but that's not entirely accurate. Uh, like, it's no. it's more of right. They're like, okay, we have decided we're gonna leave this land alone, and yeah. we're gonna put in some structures so that you, when you visit, is not totally, you're not totally cut off from civilization, right? But you have well, that. I think as someone who works with parks, people a lot of them are actually managed, but very subtly so. So that's, you don't often right, see. That's true, yeah. But you know things like where the trails are cut. The trails, yeah. how the trails are maintained, right. um, and of course management of predators. Right, you don't want right. to be people have people just walking yeah, in, of course, around the corner, bear, <laughs> yeah, brown <of> bear. <laughs> yeah, and I think um, you know when you go out hiking in the in in the US, no cell reception, trails are technical, yep. right? Yep. It's like yep. okay, we are you whatever you are familiar with. Leave that behind, and now this is. You are you are in a different territory now. Well, I mean, technically not the U.S. So I was I was in I was, yeah I, I you know in Canada right on for that big bird mm-hmm. conference. So I went to this place called uh, Grouse Mountain, okay, uh, to see to look for grouse. I found the grouse, and it was predictably very stupid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, not kidding. It literally just sat there, in front of me, and then walked towards my feet and pecked at my shoe, and then walked off. That's how dumb it was. <laughs> Um, okay. In a in a place where people hunt grouse. Anyway, um, uh-huh. and I thought you know maybe I should do a, one of the big trails, right? Mm-hmm. So I can see more wildlife. Um, and then when I got to the start of the trail, I noticed mm-hmm. everyone around me who was hiking the trail mm-hmm. had bells. That's number one. Mm-hmm. Yep. Number two, bear spray. And I was like, yep. Yep. I am not prepared for this trail, so I turned around and I walked back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like. There is a whole level of um, preparation, right, needed yeah. to to hike in a national park yeah. usually, and yeah. Um, yeah, and so when I went to Freiburg, I I mean at first it was just purely oh my sister is going to uni there and I I, I went over to help her settle in like you know move in and, and stuff. Then um, I was looking at like things to do in Freiburg and I saw a thing like a page or whatever that said go hiking in Freiburg. Like, seriously, just go. Right. Don't think about it, just go. And I was like, what do you mean don't think about it? <laughs> you know, yeah, I have to prepare myself. I have to, like, get my hiking pack and get, like, a water bladder and, you know, like, yes. make sure I have all and the right do. layers. And, yeah. And um, and then, yeah, after that right? like, level of preparation, I <laughs> yep. went out and I went hiking and I was like, well, this is, a, this is way overkill. Like, 
like I said, right? People walk their dogs there. Yeah. It's, it's legit forest, right? But, you know, old mm-hmm. grandmas, like, go there for for their daily walk. And it's, like, a totally normal thing. You are definitely in the forest, right? Yes. But the trails are super wide. Mm-hmm. They, are, mm-hmm. they are not technical at all. You don't right. have to be an experienced hiker. You don't need your trekking poles, whatever. Um, and the risk of encountering a big bad wolf that will eat your grandma is minimal. Is is minimal at, at least <laughs> until you get like way deeper into yeah into the forest. Yeah. Um, but the way deeper part is like people who are doing like ten day hikes and you know stuff yeah. like that. And yeah. um. Yeah. So. But I mean, I, what I is the what is the general incline? I mean, this being a mountain forest, there must be at least quite a steep incline at some points, so, right? So. It is a mountain forest, but it's more of a uh, kind of like tabletop. So, oh, okay, yeah. okay. So the initial incline is at the very beginning. And there's okay. absolutely... I, okay, I mean, it's not long, but it's mm-hmm. kind of miserable. To get up mm. into the forest, you have to do this very steep like yep. set of stairs. <laughs> right, fair. Stairs, right. Then, okay. Yeah. So yeah. not like because Bukit Timah, which is like a steep 45 degree slope. Yeah, because you're Road. still very close to the city at that point. Like, you're still in yeah, your garden yeah. territory. And then there is, like, a waypoint where you can, like, look out over the city of Freiburg. So, where is this overhead bridge? I'm looking at Google Maps now. Okay. If you're looking at Google Maps, I mean, I don't know if I want to put this in, in, in the show notes because this is kind of, um, it's hyper-specific. Right. I but see the Max Planck Institute for the Study of Crime Security and Law. What? Where is that even? That's at uh, <coughs> Forstamt. Forstamt, not familiar with that. Um, okay, because the thing is, the city of Freiburg also wraps around the mm, southeastern yeah. portion. So the particular um, one that I'm looking at, uh, let me move to satellite. And <coughs> Schwaben, it's, um, okay, it's off Schwaben Torplatz. So let me put that. Oh, Schlossbergbrücke. Um, oh, I see. Oh, wow. Yeah, that yeah. is close to the forest. Holy cow. Yep. So I'm I'm gonna Schwabentor Kanonenplatz. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna grab this link and put it into the show notes. Although, like I said, it's hyper hyper specific. Oh, very nice. Wow, that is yeah. Uh, that does lead into proper forest. Yep, and then. What you kind of don't see is at the, you're going from Schwabentor, right, which is yep. the medieval city gate, um, yep. and then literally. I see the Castanian Garden beer garden. Yes. Yes, that's the beer garden, <laughs> and then I see the red bridge. Yeah, wow. Do you see that series of like zigzagging things? Yeah, that's the that's incline. Yeah, that's the, like yeah. Yeah, that looks steep. Um, yeah. yeah, and then after that. Um, Spielplatz and yeah, okay, correct. So Kanonenplatz is kind of the Spielplatz is a playground, right? Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. Yeah, and then the Kanonenplatz is kind of where there is the it's where you look over the city, uh, mm-hmm. and then in front of that there is a series of um, between Kanonenplatz and Augustinerweg, that's yeah. vineyards. If you're wondering. Oh. Yeah. I mean, okay, to be fair, right, you know, looking at the, the map now, this is obviously a city park, right? I mean, it yes. is it is the, the southwestern yes. 
bit of the of of of, of part of, of the of black forest chain. Forest, yes. Yeah, but it's it's by no means sort of you know primeval black forest. Because I mean, Correct. just looking at the satellite map, look at the difference in the canopy cover color. Which is okay. It so really is, this is, gets black deeper in. This is something that I was going to mention, which is if you think about European forest. Okay, yeah. maybe I I wouldn't say European forest because I'm not really familiar with the rest of Europe, right? Uh, okay. When it comes to forests, at least. Um, the Germans are very proud of their forests, right? They something like thirty percent of Germany is like. Um, forested still. Yes. And there is this whole thing about how like, oh, a squirrel can go from the top, uh, you know, from like the northern part of Germany all the way to the south mm-hmm. um, and never leave the forest or something like that. Yeah. So yeah. they're very proud of that. But if you think about the US, right, where they've established a very firm divide between this is the city and this is a national park. Mm-hmm. And the idea is that the national park is a refuge from the city. Yeah. Um, in in Germany, at least around the Black Forest areas, that's not the case at all. The forest is yeah. totally integrated into yeah. the geographical, you know, the 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 human landscape, so to speak. Right. Right. I mean, of course, that you know, that's that's given sort of. I mean, that that really depends, or the the the, the extent to which you can integrate. A forest into a city really depends on the nature of the forest as well. Yes, I'm. I mean, I'm fairly certain this forest must have been logged at some point as oh, well. Oh yeah, it's, it's it's definitely logged. You see it, right? And so hiking, right? Um. Okay, I've never been to the Black Forest, uh, but tell me from your from your memory, do, were the trees in straight rows and straight lines? Um. From the trail. Yeah. Not that I can remember, and I'm, okay. it's not the kind of thing that I would necessarily look out for. But they definitely logged the f- as in it is uh, one of the prime industries of the Black Forest. Yeah. So I mean, you, <clears throat> as you hike, okay, I got lost. <clears throat> I've been lost several times, but unlike okay. getting lost in a U.S. national park, you're never truly lost in the Black Forest. Firstly, same as Singapore, right? Yeah. The trails yeah, are yeah. well marked. You know, yeah, they're, they're the maps trails are everywhere. Super well marked. And uh, yeah. firstly, <laughs> you have phone reception. You have phone reception, yeah, because you're near the city. No, yeah. so I mean, the thing about Germany that they're famous for is, oh, uh, in, in, in inverted commas, scientific forestry. Right, okay. And this is something that um, uh, my favorite author of all time, or my favorite book of all time uh, talks about, which is, uh, this book is called Seeing Like, Seeing like a State by James Scott, or uh, uh-huh, James okay. C. Scott, uh, where he journals. talks about how, yes, he talks about how... Um, um, you know the way states or the way government bureaucracies uh, perceive the landscape shapes mm-hmm. how they interact with the landscape and how they then you know design and uh, manage the landscape right 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 and so a big chapter is devoted to to the German practice of what they call scientific forestry which is that you know um, uh, I mean obviously it's a very German thing where they say okay you know can we estimate how many trees, uh, are in the forest, how many trees can we plant back, how many trees can we take out in one year right. such that you know okay. it maintains the, the, the forest. Unfortunately, of course, um, because they're German, right, uh, the people who practice scientific uh-huh. forestry you know, thought that forests must be organised. So when we plant back, we have to plant everything back in straight lines, make sure the undergrowth right, is completely right. cleared, you know, and these trees grow straight so that they can provide quality wood. But that's not how a forest is. Forests are messy. Right. Right? Right. Forests are complex. And so he describes how, you know, the state, 
uh, or the, 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 the vision of the state is necessarily a simplifying vision right. and how it's often incompatible with realities, not just uh, of nature, but realities of society as well. Right. right when we talk I... about gentrification and you know mm-hmm. um, um, the building of roads, um, surnames uh, in right. places where historically they have surnames have not been a tradition, right? Mm-hmm. All of these are ways of imposing a um, unifying and simplifying vision by the state right. on landscapes that may not necessarily conform to right. these um, um, ways of seeing. I. Um... Okay, in my memory, right, I don't think that the trees were in straight lines, so to speak. Okay. Uh, but there are, I mean, a couple of things to note. One one is that um, the hiking trail doesn't go past the logging area. At least I right. don't believe it does. Right, I mean, it makes sense that they would be kept separate. Um, the, the, okay, I don't know exactly how it's done necessarily um or how you know the logging is 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 organized i can say once i got lost in the forest by missing my trail marker or whatever uh and i ended Uh. up in a pretty much a dead end section um that was clearly a logging area because um i mean the the trail is much less human (laughs) And much more machine, yes. for one thing. Yes. Uh, and obviously, yeah. you know, the big pile of logs is a big clue as well. <laughs> Giveaway, um, yes. Yeah. Uh, and also the fact that, you know, it kind of like led to a dead end. That was another thing. Uh, but I saw a squirrel. Right. So, because I, that was nice. Yay. Uh, Yay. Wait, grey or black or red? Sorry, grey or red squirrel? Uh, I think it was... No, it was grey. What colour was it? What? Oh, gray, oh that's not so nice. Oh, yeah. wait. Grey squirrels are invasive. Whoops. Too bad. Red squirrels are the ones you want to look for. And okay. uh, I think I saw one in Scotland. <laughs> okay. Yeah, anyway. Yeah, in the Caledonian um, forest. But you, you do see... I mean, f- even on the regular hiking trails, you do see piles of lumber. Yeah, I think uh, I I'm not sure sorry. where they come from exactly. Yeah. But yeah. Then um, okay. the other kind of marker is as you walk, occasionally you will see markers on trees and you see um, you see markers on trees at about the height where they would cut. So right. I've always assumed, although never been, uh, never confirmed this, that those are indicators of, okay, this tree is going to be logged soon. Right, because what you'll what you'll see is you'll see a marker at about that height, and then you'll see um, some stumps at about that height. Yeah, yeah, yeah. makes so, sense. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, obviously, they have um, at this point, you know, with the history of settlement in the in the Black Forest and around it, they have. Um, a very mature, shall we say, industry that depends on the forest. So, yeah, I mean, it's been around for ages, right? It's so. been around for ages, yeah. But I think it's that is a mentality that's completely different because I think okay, here's also part of the the difference, right? The Black Forest region would have been settled. I mean, it has been 
people have lived there for centuries, a long time, right? Yeah. Freiburg actually has the oldest hotel in Germany. It does. Okay. Yes. Huh. So let me put that into <laughs> the show notes. Um, yeah. And um, the city of Freiburg is the... Oh, look at that church. Freiburger Münster. Wow. Yep. Good yep. God. So, actually, okay. So now we are getting into the part of Freiburg that I will be glad to talk about for ages. <laughs> um, but anyway, the city of Freiburg was founded in 1120. Oh, uh, the year eleven twenty, okay. and actually, my sister and I were—they were having, um, I think nine, nine hundredth anniversary and celebrations. Nice. Or they were going to have nine hundredth uh-huh. century, yeah, nine hundredth yeah, anniversary yeah. And celebrations. Centuries, but then that yeah. would be, that was the year twenty twenty, and we all know how that went out. Um, <laughs> yeah. So this hotel, Zum Rotenbären, is. Um, w- the foundations for this hotel were already laid, I think, when the city was founded. Oh, right? wow, shit. Yeah. And um, so I can't remember like why 1120 is picked as the year, although the, you know, in medieval Europe, the reason for that is usually some duke decided that I will officially declare this a city. Right. Yes. <laughs> like usually there's some settlement before that and the, the Duke is like, Okay, uh I like you're now a city. So that's kind of what happened. <laughs> um and I think if I'm not mistaken, it was um given the right to be a market town or something. Mm-hmm. Right, because you know, again, medieval Europe, like you have the, yep. you have to, the city has to have the right to hold a market and yes. stuff from some, yep. yeah, yeah, royal, minor royalty aristoc- aristocrat. Yeah, and so um, that area of the city, the part that kind of near the Schwabentor, which is the 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 gate to the Black Forest, so to speak. Yeah, that area actually has a lot of small independent hotels, uh, inns almost. And the reason for that is people would come down from the Black Forest into Freiburg mm. um, to sell at the market. And so they would come through that gate and then they would stop at the inn. Yeah. And then they would go on to the market. Um, yeah, oh, so that's, that... It's gorgeous. It really... Uh, I'm just looking at it from Google Maps 3D view and bloody hell, it looks beautiful. The city, the hotel or the... the just the city. Just the city. I, I mean, yeah. just just the, the whole... Wow. I, I highly recommend a visit to Freiburg if, if you can. Because, like, for me, at least, right, it's a total accident that, you know, my my, uh, my sister had a very um, straightforward logic, which was yes. uh, she wanted to study popular music. Yes. Um, so she looked for schools that specialized in popular music. And there and, it is. Yeah, and um, because she had sufficient level of German and Germany is yep. you know cheap good tertiary education she's like okay popular music schools in Germany and then there's one in Freiburg that's that's basically it, it. and then she applied uh, and she, she went um, I mean I'm so looking at the geography now and unfortunately it is looking like a bit of a stretch for me to get to, to Freiburg you mean from Un- 
no, in terms of my priorities, oh, uh, my work, priorities? Uh, yeah. work, work travel. Unless I can find an excuse to go to Basel. <laughs> you can there is a good find museum an there. To go to Basel. Uh, but, well, I mean, for true. work, I don't know, but <laughs> that's the thing, right? Because you know, I, for the next at least three or four years, my all my travel has to be justified to some extent as being work related. Right. Right. So yeah. the thing is. So um, yeah. Yeah, I mean. When I arrived in Freiburg with my sister, I um, I had a certain level of arrogance in the <laughs> sense of, oh, I've, you know, traveled solo before. I'll, we'll be able to handle this. Literally got off the train station at Freiburg <laughs> and didn't know which direction to walk. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. New City vibes like, for you, yeah. Hmm, I didn't think about this carefully. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and this is before, you know, like roaming data and not not before roaming data, but it's before yeah. when you would Google go Maps. When yeah, when it was expensive, right? To yeah. to get data ro- roaming and you are just dependent yeah. on like paper maps and stuff. Yeah, and so what we would do is we would find Wi-Fi and then we would screenshot all the maps of wherever we needed oh, to. Oh wow. Yeah. Yeah, and then you would just like scroll through it on photos and hope that you had yeah. enough resolution. Um, yeah, yeah, those were the days. Anyway, huh. it was. I mean, well, I'm I'm looking at the map again, and if I do visit Freiburg and I want to visit Freiburg, it's gonna have to be a special trip out to there because, you know, I'm I'm just looking at the major museum collections that I could visit in Germany, and they um, would be in Berlin. Yeah, no, in Bonn. Freiburg is not really going to overlap with your. No, with my interests. work. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well. well, with your for bird watching, yes, but but with your your my work travel professional academic interests, yes. probably not. Yeah. Yes, my professional itinerary, shall we say? Yeah. So the thing is, like, the thing when when you get to Freiburg, though, it is very charming. Is not exactly the word because when I th- when I hear the word charming, I think like. Especially in the context of Europe, I think old. <laughs> and yes, probably huh. old. But the it thing is, is old, it, old, yeah. yeah, it it is it also has this aggressively modern edge to it. Which <laughs> which is partly because of the presence of the university. Yes. Right? A major I mean there was university. one building that really stuck out as a bit of a sore thumb which I need to find again. That's <laughs> okay. near the university. Um hang on. Uh, where is that it? might be the library actually. Is it a library? Yes, Bibliothek Freiburg, yeah. yeah. Universität Bibliothek, yeah. yeah that's new, <laughs> that's new. That went up while my sister was in uni. It looks really jarring because it's one of these glass monoliths surrounded by yeah. mostly, I would say, what, not even medieval, right? But fairly old buildings. And um, all, to, to be medieval, fair... Medieval, uh, yeah, I, I, I see it on the... <laughs> I see it on the map and I... Then there's this Cold War era looking um, 1960s, 70s building near the Platz der Alten Synagogue. Okay, so let's uh, establish a couple of things. Firstly, what you see from the air (laughs) is a bunch of solar panels. (laughs) Yes, I saw that. But the rest, I'm I'm on 3D view. I'm Ah, on 3D view. Yeah. And that is super... And this building is, you know, super modernist. Well, super yes, post, no, very, super modern, actually. It's very modern, yeah. Not modern, yeah. 
Modernist is the um, one that I was talking about, that, that yeah. Cold War era looking building. So Freiburg is in a weird position because, okay, one thing that is strange as you walk through the 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 cities, the old city, right, is, uh, and I should also specify, the old city is, um, is where the medieval core of the city is. Right. Then outside of that, is it's super modern, right? I mean, sure, yeah. You know, it's like apartment blocks and stuff, right? Yeah. Obviously, I mean, it's like like ma- many really old cities. Is the old yeah. town and the and the and the new town, right? Like, like yeah, exactly. for example, Edinburgh. Exactly. So I think the thing about Freiburg is it you can kind of trace like two stages to its evolution. First was the market town. Yeah. Then there was a period of silver mining. Yeah. And silver, then okay. yeah, and then they kind of exhausted the mines then the yeah. next phase of its evolution was actually the university which was right. um, established in 1400s 1500s okay uh, and then since then it's effectively been a university town like the university kind of sustains the city yeah sorry that and cold war ass looking building is called university building 2 <laughs> that's literally the oh, name yeah. oh yeah 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 it's near the <laughs> near the library right yeah just across the road of the library uh, it looks yes. really jarring as well <laughs> Yeah, uh, wait. I don't see it, but I I kind of know which one you're talking about. Yeah, I mean, it looks like just a slightly depressing university building. Something in you know Russia. Oh, that one. Yes. Yeah. Look, it's KG two, is it? KG two. Yeah. Yeah, I know that one. Yes. Uh, it it <laughs> it looks as depressing in person as it does on Google Maps. <laughs> um. Yeah. So, the the thing about Freiburg is the entire inner city was actually basically bombed out during World War II. Oh, right. Yes. Yep. And what they did was they rebuilt just about everything. Mm-hmm. And um, the kind of strange thing is one of my first impressions of walking through the old city of Freiburg was on the buildings themselves, they paint the year that the building was built. Right. But not the modern one, or they might put the modern one in addition to the original one. Right? So you're walking through the old city, okay. and it's just like, you see like 1485, you know, 1492, yeah. whatever. And sometimes they also put the name of the family that lives there. Right. Which, again, is kind of wild. Um, the idea that, you know, and, you know, they'll, they'll put the name of the family, but then in the on the ground floor, where the, there'll be a shop and it will be like um, a very 20th century shop, right? Or 21st yes. century shop. Like, it will just be like a chain store or it'll be like a yep. hipster store. Right, yep. in the on the ground floor of this building that yeah. has a medieval year of yes. foundation, which again is name. any medieval city that you know Edinburgh is just as jarring. I think that the funniest yeah. thing about uh, Edinburgh is that you know you're walking to the old town, right, yeah. and then uh, the royal the the ro- is it called the Royal Mile or I yeah, I think it's called the Royal right. Mile, and then right right along that mile there's a shop that says Warhammer and it's not selling medieval Warhammers it's selling you know Warhammer figurines from the game <laughs> right right yeah 
<laughs> Sorry, again? going back to KG2, one of the Google reviews, it says, Besh the Kloss, which Google says it's damaged toilets. <laughs> what? Wait, I need to see this. University Building uh -oh. 2. And you can Google scroll down reviews. to Google reviews. Uh, <laughs> wow. Damaged there are 14 reviews. Okay, no, that's that's really interesting because this word Beshda is yes. not standard German, I believe. Yes, um, Google says it's Luxembourgish. That's nonsense. <laughs> that's, that's what Google Translate tells me. Um the the thing is, um I'm pretty sure it's not damage okay. toilets. But this would be um, Badish for... Badish, okay. Yeah, I don't know if Kloss is... I, I'm, I'm almost certain if, if Kloss is actually toilet, that it means best toilet and not damaged toilet. Best? Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Mm. All right. <coughs> Interesting. Anyway, uh, I don't sorry. know if we want to put like this single share Google. I really don't. I don't want to. Copy link. I'm putting it in. So, um, the thing about, I I think going back to, the whole like you know this is the, this is just normal, right? Talking about how in Singapore the sea is just normal. It's not. Yeah. It's not. Um. I mean. You think about that. There is a certain body of or or or, or I, I don't know what the term for this is because it's kind of minor. But there is a theme in in certain literature and culture that is pining for the sea, right? Like, oh, I yeah. you know one of the things that I really want to do before I die is I want to see the ocean. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, in Singapore, it's just like the right there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think um, I mean in the case of in the case of this modern medieval mix right in a lot of Europe it's just there yeah it's just there yeah. like people grow up with it people and it, it points to a very living history right because it's the thing of you know you, you go to an old historical place and you must and you think ah, it, people used it in the past yeah and in a lot of Europe and I would think probably a lot of China a lot of Japan and things like that no, people used it in the past and they still use it. Yes. Right? Yeah. Or like it's yeah. a it's an active um building. It's continuity, you know, it's an, yeah. Correct. It's an active um cathedral or whatever. Speaking of which the cathedral yeah. of Freiburg it's really interesting because Flying um, buttresses, very unusual. I mean not it's something you see cathedral. in it's gothic, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's gothic. So in a lot of, again, a lot of medieval Europe, right? A cathedral was commissioned by the mm -hmm. church. Yeah. That was not the case in Freiburg. Oh. Or, you know, it's commissioned by the church or commissioned by some aristocracy or whatever. Right. In Freiburg, the people of Freiburg just decided, we need a cathedral. Well, they, they don't get to decide <laughs> that it's a cathedral, right? They're like, we need sure. a church. We need a church. So they got together and they built one. <laughs> right, they funded one. Um, and it took a while to, you know, get it to the state that it was today. And again, like many old churches, 
the 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 building was built over time. Yes. Right. So you yep. have one portion yep. that's the oldest, and they add a new wing and things like that. Yep. Um, but something that is striking when you go in to the church is the stained glass, right? In okay. a lot of um, in a lot of churches, the stained glass, right, will indicate the 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 patron of the church, like who funded yes who funded this building, right? And the way that they do it is coat of arms. Yes. Yeah. Right? So they yep. will commission like stained glass or some sculpture or whatever with the coat of arms of the yep. person who funded part of the church building. Now right. you go into Freiburg, you look up at the stained glass, right? And then they have the typical stained glass things, you know, like, you know, Jesus and 12 disciples or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then at the bottom, there will be like a pretzel. In stained glass. <laughs> right? Uh, I, I'm, I bring up the pretzels just because I think that's the funniest one. But right. the rest of them, you know, it'll be like... Be Symbols like of the common man, basically. Yes. Um, and why that is, is because the church was funded by the people of Raiwo, right? Not yep. by the aristocracy, not by the church. Yep. And so, yep. um, it was actually the guilds that got together and oh, funded like the this. bakers and the oh wow okay yeah, okay exactly. I mean uh, uh, probably some other mecha- <coughs> mechanism besides the guilds but yeah. yeah so you have like the pretzel for the bakers guild you have a booth yes. for the cobblers you have like um what is that thing the snake on the staff for the doctors yes uh, yes right uh, the staff is, of Escapios. Yeah, yeah. Um, the other thing for the pharmacists, the chemists, I guess. Um, yeah, and you just see this in the stained glass, right? Yeah. Um, and, okay, here's the other wild thing. The stained glass is original. Oh, shit. Wait, yeah. they were preserved during the war? Yes. Wow. So, during the war, they removed the glass yep. and yep. stored it for safekeeping. Amazing. Um, yeah. The city was bombed out, but they left the cathedral. <laughs> I'm still I quite, mean, you know... Even during the bombing, sorry. even during the bombing, I mean, you have to take the glass out, otherwise it shatters, right? But yeah. they took the glass out, the allies bombed basically around it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I mean, no thanks, but thanks. Thanks, but no Well, thanks. I mean, I you know, know. Yeah. was the bombing of Freiburg before or after the uh, fire bombing of Dresden? Because that one was a real disaster. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure, but it was okay. very near the end of the wall, as you would expect. Right, okay. Right, because yeah. to get to Freiburg, you need fairly forward positions. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, Interesting. which goes back to the other thing, right? Which is, um, you you see the, the years that are painted on the sides of the buildings. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they will acknowledge that it was rebuilt in like 1947 or something, Right. But as far as the the Freiburg mine goes, the building has been there since 14 God knows when. So Freiburg was bombed 1944, November. Dresden was bombed 45 in February. Right, so near three months apart, yeah. Near the very, yeah. very, very end, yeah. 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 Um, I'm still a bit puzzled by how, you know, 
like a Freiburg form because it is I mean it's not exactly near the Rhine no it's not um, like I said the origin of it is yeah. market town, town but you know yeah. there must have been some activity going on there that, that allowed a market to form or that incentivized the formation of a market I, I think part of it is just um, farming yeah yeah, Farming seems like in it. The, in the southwest, it's a flatland, black yeah. forest. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, even today, right? The the market, the Münster Markt in Freiburg. Yeah. Because the market is around the cathedral. Yeah. Um, even today, a lot of the vendors at the market, they come from the black forest. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So their farm, their chickens, their ham, their yeah cows whatever they are in the forest or somewhere further down um, you know somewhere in the outskirts yeah. maybe an hour two hours away from Freiburg and then they drive down every day or every two days yeah. to Freiburg to sell their wares I mean you know growing up in Singapore you really don't get an appreciation for all this until you actually travel it really no, you, is. Don't. you really don't yeah right you know you don't get a sense of the, the sort of market eco- agricultural economies and uh, holy shit but I think I think going back to where we started this conversation I think it goes yes. the other way as well right like if yes. if you grow up far away from a port city yep. you don't get an appreciation of maritime <laughs> trade yeah yeah I'm in the midst of reading this book called The Box The Box uh, okay. The Box and it was recommended by that website. Um, is that ship still stuck? <laughs> <laughs> I see. <laughs> yep. Um, basically, the guy just said, hey, this is an Amazon affiliate link and it's about shipping. <laughs> right. And if you click on it and buy the book, I get some money. Um, <laughs> Anyway, yeah, I I bought it. I'm slowly, very slowly reading it. And it's essentially about I mean, this is this is really tangential though. Mark Levinson. It's, okay, I see it. Yeah, yeah, I see it. It's basically about um how they moved from shipping pre-container and you know, two containers. Right. Um yep. Because it used to be what they call break bulk cargo. There, there was bulk cargo and then there was break bulk cargo. Bulk cargo is stuff like grains, uh, where essentially you just dump the whole thing onto the ship and then you take the whole thing out at the end, right? Yep. And that implies a certain set of logistics and operations. Break bulk cargo would be stuff like um, stuff that was packed but in small packages. Okay. Not okay. small packages necessarily, but like, you know, in boxes and, and stuff. And so, whereas, you know, bulk cargo at the other end, you kind of like shovel it out. Mm-hmm. Break bulk cargo, mm-hmm. you have people lift it out of the, yep, the ship. Yeah, on pallets or something. Yeah, okay. Uh, I think oh, I see. pre-pallets. <laughs> pre-pallets, okay. Oh, yikes. Yeah, okay. you're, you're talking about the age before shipping was really um, right. mechanized. Systematized, yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. 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 Correct. Yeah, and so they, I'm at the part of the book where they're talking about the guy who had this idea of, um, what if you could put, and so the idea actually came about from um, the fact that 
a ships spend a lot of their time in port actually. For, mm -hmm. <laughs> counterintuitive, but no. <laughs> back then, back yep. then, right? Um, I think something like forty percent, sixty percent of the expenses of a, of a ship was loading and unloading in port. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair. And what they would do is the ship would come in, and then you have all these uh, longshoremen go on and like you know shovel the grains out, or um, just like carry boxes off the ship and put new boxes on. Then they have to yep. take the boxes from the that they've unloaded and then put them onto trucks right yep and then um, the trucks will go off wherever so they had this idea of basically well what if we just put the whole truck on the ship right and then you just drive <laughs> off the ship yeah yep. and then obviously they discerned that <laughs> this was not possible nope <laughs> and then they were like what if we put a truck container on the ship Yes. And then you take the whole mm. container off and you put it on the truck. Yeah. Uh, and that's the origin of the shipping container, basically. But I'm at the part there of the go. book where, yeah, I'm at the part of the book where basically there's this guy who is, who runs a shipping business and he's trying to optimize as much as possible. He's one of those obsessives who was like um, trying to squeeze out as much margin as he can, right? By yeah. spending a lot of money. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, an industrialist. Essentially, there we heart. go. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he's commissioning people left and right to be like, figure out how to put, how to build a container that can go on a ship, how to, you know, load and unload containers. And so, yeah, he has people build cranes that straddle the ship, so, so that he can pick up the the containers. <laughs> Yeah, yes. and I mean it's yep. a it's a massive operation, and you need to be a bit it crazy is. to yep. decide as a private individual running a company that you're going to do this. It's it's wild. Yeah, yeah. And all, there's also a, a section about unions. I need to get back to reading a lot of stuff, but anyway. Yeah. There's a section about this how is a... the. The longshoremen yeah. unions were oh, very wow. much against this because, as you expect, it put many, many, many of them out of This work. sounds like a really good book. Okay, I need to get this book at some point and, and read it. Once I have finished reading work-based... Uh, well, unfortunately, I won't have... Well, I don't know. I because I'm I, I, I done reading work-based stuff for a very long time. No, because I, I say that because I just picked up Billion Dollar Whale uh, at uh, ah, <laughs> Kino. I've read ago. that book. I've read that book. Yes, it's quite good yeah. so far. Yeah, it's I I actually am not a fan of the writing style. It's WSJ, so <laughs> uh, yeah, the writing style is a bit sensationalist. It is sensationalist, um, yeah. but it's a good story. But yeah, the story itself. Well, the story itself is 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 a is a very specific genre that I am actually a fan of, which is financial scandal. True crime. Oh, okay. True. Uh, true crime as <laughs> well. Interested. But yeah. yeah, but yeah, financial scandals in in general. I mean, I've. Whatever you think of when it comes to like financial scandal, uh, I've kind of read. Fair, so fair. Barbarians at the Gate mm -hmm. um, is about the fall of Argia Nabisco. Yeah. Um, and I've actually forgotten what the what the mechanism, the corporate finance mechanism, is called. 
leverage buyout, I think. Okay, right, right. Yeah, anyway, this is how you know that I'm not really <laughs> a finance person. I just like reading financial scandals. Yes, of course, um, anything by Michael is... Lewis will be of interest. Yes, <laughs> yes, Michael <laughs> Lewis is excellent. Um, yes. What's the long-term capital management? What was that mm, called? Right. Um, um, I cannot remember. Enron also, the smartest guys in the room. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The long-term <laughs> capital management one is interesting because it's a story that's well known to people who are in finance and almost unheard of outside. Right. Um, but the long-term capital management was a financial firm that kind of exploded in 1998. And they based their investment strategy based on financial modeling. I mean, in the sense, they were kind of the first ones. I, yeah. Okay, no, that's, not, that's not fair to say. Um, they, they had a very specific model of the financial markets. Um, and they kind of lived and died by that model. Right. And the people who created that model uh, won Nobel Prizes and Econs. Is that... Oh, I yeah. see. Okay. So they were kind of like, yeah, of course, you know, we, we know best. Yeah. And um, it turns out even Nobel Prize winners sometimes get things wrong. You don't say. Yeah. <laughs> Especially in economics, really. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, I, I don't know. I mean the way that I kind of up so the black scolds model is what it is right again create bookmark yeah the black scolds uh, model is a mathematical model for the dynamics of financial market con containing derivative investment instruments and uh, I cannot remember any it's one of you know you read the book and then while you're reading the book everything makes sense and then once you put it down Yes, you know, I can't explain it anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just one, just one of those things. But I think it's instructive mm -hmm. because in the world of high finance, you always want more predictability. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 And sometimes control freaks. <laughs> but I mean, in general, okay. So in general, yeah more predictability is good, right? Forecastability, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, you know, it's you want your models to work. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. It's just that in many worlds, you are very realistic about whether that's possible. Yeah. Yeah, and they kind of overestimate it. Yeah, whereas in economics, it's sort of the, the, model is, the model is real and the reality is, has failed. <laughs> I think that's what <laughs> academic economists often want. <laughs> but, um, yeah. Such is life. Such is life indeed. It's, 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 I, I don't know if you've seen this <coughs> kind of sentiment around, but every now and then I see a comment by somebody, refer, you know, um, when there is an article or a YouTube video or God knows what about the Nobel Prize in Econs, there will be that person who says that there is no Nobel Prize in Econs. It's a Nobel Memorial Prize. <laughs> and therefore not a real yep. Nobel Prize yes technically I mean yeah, god ever the I, I pedants think, yeah exactly that's even more pedantic yeah than the people you're criticizing honestly yeah yeah <laughs> 
So I'm, okay. I'm, again, I'm yeah. I, I we should we should bring this to a close. I'm still sc- still scrolling through the city of Freiburg, and some buildings are really remarkable looking. I mean, I'm happy um, to. Uh, I I'm very happy to talk about Freiburg at length. I mean, I we could probably fill we are, a podcast we've, with yeah, this. Yeah, exactly. But I'm looking at this place called the Kreismedienzentrum Freiburg. Uh, it's a school, I think, and the architecture looks very familiar. Let's see. Um, where have, this looks like the concourse building, but f- very few floors. Uh, I see. I see what you're saying. Bissierstrasse is a little bit um, out of the city center, right? It's, it's sort of the, on the edge already. You're starting to see modern yeah. buildings. This is m- Max much more f- familiar area, actually. Because Bissierstrasse is, is not a place that I would pass through, but... Was there a period uh, where all buildings were designed like this? Because this looks almost like, you know, okay, Tomasic JC okay, has yeah. a similar design as well. Okay, so this is... this is Now now I've I've adequately situated myself. Um, yeah. Oh, I, there is no street view in Germany. Uh, uh-huh. Where is the... How do I get the 3D view? I am a noob at this. Uh, bottom right. Google Maps, two D, three D, below 3D, the compass. Three D, ah, I see it. Well, it's not much of a three D view. It's not <laughs> much three D, but it is. I mean, it is quite an iconic style that that many buildings of a certain age were designed in, right? Um, I need to talk to the architect about this. I mean, <laughs> this would this feels to me like about an eighties building. It does uh, feel eighties, right? Um, by the way, if you want to see a, a, a newish building, look at that's nearby. Um, Rathaus yeah, the go- yeah, that's the government government building, right? Yes. Uh, and this one, that one looks very different on the ground versus <laughs> from the air. Uh, okay. Um, so the entire... Everywhere. Yeah, so not solar panels everywhere, but the solar panels also move. What? So they move to catch the sun, I think. Oh, shit. Okay, nice. Yeah. Uh, and if you want to see a really wild building... Uh, in the southwest of the city, there's a building called the Heliotrope. Heliotrope. Okay, I'm going to look at it. That's now. one where the entire building moves to catch the sun. Bloody hell. Yeah. Oh, shit. The rotating house. Yeah, like. yeah, yeah. I've heard of this before. Oh, bloody yeah, I don't hell. know where it looks like from the <laughs> air, but I've never seen it. I've actually never seen it in person. I just know all of it. It's an existence. obelisk of light from <laughs> Red <Yeah>. Alert. <laughs> uh, the building oh, damn. Building. Uh, okay, Christ Median Centrum is not a school. Oh, okay. Um, it's I mean, what it literally means, Christ Median Centrum is basically like district media center. Right. Yeah. When okay, you say okay. it's built like TJ, what do you mean? The um, it's the 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 uh, the polygonal, um approach to it, right? A lot of trapezoids, a lot of hexagons right. and pentagons. Right, right. Um, I don't know if... Yeah, I think that's kind of out of... Way above my pay grade. I, I right. see what I'm not mean, an architect, yeah. but, you know, there I is... This is quite mean. a distinctive architectural form I think that for, I for have context, seen... For context, when we say TJ, we mean Tomasic Junior College. Yes. Um, now, which has quite I'm a really, distinctive... No, I'm really interested to see what it looks, what that looks like from the air. Tomasic Junior College. 
in satellite view. Ha. Huh. Right? So the ha huh is because TJ looks very different from the air. It it does. No, it does look very different. Actually, no. Yeah. Now that I mean, no, no. Then I'm I must be thinking of a different building then. Um, okay. Actually, maybe maybe it's reminding me of the University of Constance. <laughs> <laughs> Would make sense. Uh, and Constance is a is actually a new university. Not even actually. No. Yeah, Constance. Yeah. No, not even right. The University of Constance looks much more just blocky. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, but I I will come to me at some point. But anyway, yes. I'll see. Heliotrope. I don't know what that looks like from the air. <laughs> it looks amazing. Holy shit! I need to visit this <laughs> I part see, of the world. It looks funky in three D. <laughs> it really does. I don't think they were able oh, to God. to capture the to do the um what's it called um shit what's the stereo imaging technique called again um anyway three D. No 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 um there, there's a specific um. There is a specific. There's a specific yes. word for this, which I would I knew because I was I'm I'm doing some research on this, and I cannot right. remember what it's called. Okay. Anyway. Yeah, the idea behind the heliotrope. I just put the link in, uh, in the show notes. Um, <laughs> the heliotrope in Freiburg was the first building in the world to capture more energy than it uses. Honestly, this this Wikipedia article should have a um, neutrality disclaimer on it. Yeah, it, it sounds like it's a clearly advertisement. An ad. Yeah, it's yeah. clearly an ad. Uh, but if that is true, and that should be a verifiable fact, I hope. Yeah. Ah, um, photogrammetry. So that's the term I was looking for. Photogrammetry, okay. Yeah, it's how yeah. you you know take multiple uh, 2D images and then you stitch it into a 3D image. Right. Okay, but I think the heliotrope into a 3D sort of me to, yeah. The heliotrope brings me to one of the other things that Freiburg is kind of known for driven by the university obviously sustainability yeah, yeah. very big deal Freiburg University is we are pretty famous worldwide I, for the sustainability I think studies one of the things that I think is is again a bit wild to me especially you grow up in Singapore and you're just like uh, sustainability will never be a mainstream political issue <laughs> uh, Freiburg is the first city in Germany to elect a green yep. mayor yeah the mayor is no longer um, from the Green Party uh-huh. because he got. Ah oh, yes, out. we talked about this. Yes. Yeah, he got kicked out by somebody for not being of, green uh, enough. Hous- well, no, not not that uh, housing. Ah uh, okay. No, housing sorry. Go northwest, is- northwest of the heliotrope. Holy shit! <laughs> North. <laughs> All west. those solar panels on the houses. The entire oh, no, roof is solar panels. Because of the this is because of that that neighborhood that I was talking about. The yeah. Um, I mean, besides the fact that this, I mean, honestly, the whole city, right? Yeah. New buildings are just like this. But also, yeah. um, that name, Zola Zietlung, literally yeah. a solar settlement. Yeah. Holy shit. But that is like, oh, yeah. wow. <laughs> yeah. And also, the that is remarkable. is kind of the, even within a city as environmentally mad as as Freiburg. Um, yeah. The Southwest is especially so. Okay. <laughs> so yeah. Oh I'd love to live here for a short while. My God. Same, honestly. 
um, <laughs> I would like to go to Freiburg and have something to do. Sabbatical, sabbatical, yes. I, I definitely want one, but <laughs> I have to kind of construct it for myself somehow. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I think this sure. we should bring we bring should our conversation to a close. Because there's a bird at Holland Plain that I might want to chase. Oh no, now I need to finish my work. Google Maps tries to 3D the road signs as well. It's kind of bizarre. Okay. Alright. I think uh, we can just round it off by saying this is episode 22. Yes. Which is somewhat remarkable considering our level of consistency. (laughs) And... uh, you can find the show notes. I can't remember how to close out the show. You can find the show notes at monkeymind.xyz slash 022. And exactly one, two, three, four. Well, it's quite a lot of links, but I don't know how many of them you actually want to click on, especially yeah. on your phone. So yeah. <laughs> at least um, watch the uh, the video of uh, Sir David Attenborough being attacked. By a grouse, yes. By yes. A, what was it? <laughs> by by angry bird. Angry bird. Okay. <laughs> um, does it then follow that 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 Sir David Attenborough is a pig okay anyway um, <laughs> green I, one <laughs> almost certainly we can't podcast next week because I have a Java exam oh, fair and I have so, uh, uh, well I have a uh, big assignment that's due on Friday so I will be yeah. dead in the world dead to the world yeah. for this week so yep. I'll see you in a couple of weeks I suppose yes goodbye bye bye <laughs>